nobleuschool.com. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. So in my uh, ethics classes this week, and you know that I teach ethics classes, that's what I got my master's degree in at Southeastern Baptist uh, Seminary in Ethics, Theology, and Culture. This week, we were doing uh, a day in a really interesting topic that most evangelicals don't really think about or dive into much, which is environmentalism. So that that's a really interesting course to me, a really interesting topic. The other topic that is always fascinating to dive into with high school age uh, Christian kids growing up in mostly conservative homes and, and homeschooling environment is work and vocation. And so once you start talking about what do you want to do for a living, what are your what kind of gifting do you like, predisposition, what kind of subjects are you good at? Uh, if you could pick one job to do or a couple jobs to do in the world, what would it be? And uh, and it really starts to open them up to understanding the theology of work and how you can glorify God in anything that you do from a work perspective. But but they, they're, they're kind of blindsided by it. They're kind of used to separating the secular and uh, the sacred. And so they don't generally go down that road. But one of the things that comes up in just about every class, which we dealt with with our own son, uh, our oldest son, Hayden, as many of you know, is in San Francisco. He got married to, to Macy, wonderful girl, back in March. But Hayden, starting at about, gosh, five, six, seven years of age, it was obvious that he had a significant aspect to him that was an artist. And uh, as a parent, of course, you're wondering, uh, I don't want my kid to be a starving artist. <laughs> There's no way they can make a living uh, in the world of fine arts. And so you think about ways to steer him away from that. But ultimately, that's the direction he went in. And he's in the game art world. He works on video games. He's an artist that knows how to use a computer. And I always run into students every year in my ethics class that are thinking about a world in the fine arts, but they never feel encouraged. As a matter of fact, they usually feel discouraged, sometimes by their parents, oftentimes just by uh, the specter that a Christian shouldn't be involved uh, in the artistry world. And so we've been having this conversation on Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary and Bob Jones University. Uh, Dr. Overly was on just recently. Christopher, we've talked to a couple of times in the film uh, division there at BJU. And today, Dr. Michael Moore joins us also from the Division of Music and has a steeped background in this, not just as a musician, but a BJU grad starting in what, Michael? When was that fourth grade or something, middle school for you? It goes all the yeah. way back there, right? Way back to the 80s, yeah. <laughs> back in the day, as we like to say, as we get older. It's great to have you. Right. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, I would like to just dive in a little bit, Michael, to your own story in terms of ending up in the world of music. In this case, you're professor and chair of the Division of Music at, at Bob Jones University and conducts the University Symphony Orchestra. How did that kind of show up in your life? And then how did you make the decision that you were actually going to pursue this? You've taught in the public school realm. We were talking about that before the show because I had lots of band directors. I was in the band playing trumpet for years. Uh, but how did you end up there? So it really started with a fascination with the piano. Uh, I can remember there was a piano in my lunchroom at school and 
And I had some really incredible uh, musicians that influenced me as a child just by through their faithful service in our church mm. and ministry. And I always wanted to do that. And one day my grandpa called and said, hey, is there anybody at your house that would want a piano? And I was nine at the time. Hmm. And he bought us a piano and I got wow. started. And um, yeah, I just... It was something that I loved and flourished in and had opportunities to join the band at school um, later on. And then I got to the point where I was like, what am I going to do with this music thing? Um, if I use it for myself, it's just it's not going to amount to anything. So I told the Lord, whatever you want me to do, um, I'll, I'll do this. And God led me into music education. I went to Bob Jones University, um, taught in the public schools, band and orchestra, uh, private schools homeschool co-op, uh, a lot of different teaching opportunities and environments. And I had a conducting teacher in my uh, grad work at the University of South Carolina that said, Michael, you ought to be conducting opera. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm a middle school band director. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it's things like that. And, and eventually um, the Lord called me back to my alma mater and I needed somebody to, to conduct opera. And so I took the plunge and um, <laughs> here I am. And here you are, uh, uh, a first place winner in the American Prize in Opera Conducting. <laughs> so that, that I mean, it's amazing what the Lord can do. And, and he's like, yeah. okay, Michael, whatever. You, you think you know what you're doing and where you're <laughs> going. Uh, I'll interrupt that every once in a while. But, but when you were thinking about, okay, I want to go to college for this. I actually want to do this as a career. Uh, back then, Michael, I mean, what did you run into from parents, from friends, from teachers? Was it... Was everybody, hey, thumbs up, go get them, Tiger? Or was there, there a little resistance there? Was a little hesitancy on your part just in terms of, can I make a career out of it? What was that like? Um, I think I realized early on that I wasn't going to make a career out of performing, but I had a passion for helping other people, and mm. I had a passion for music. And through some mentorship, my my high school band director and, and my parents and um, – uh, folks at church that pr provided opportunities for me to use my music in a service-oriented way. Um, it, it just was the obvious next right step yeah. for me. Yeah, and and how do you handle it? And then we're going to get into it. So we're going to talk about uh, how artistry is tied to image bearing, the fact that we're supposed mm -hmm. to be, that we are made in the image of God. What do we do with that? Uh, what and, and a lot of people, Michael, will be tempted to go, well, I'm not artistic, so I'm just going to tune out, do something else. Oh, hold on a second. Uh, stay, <laughs> stay, stay with us. Uh, is artistry limited to the fine arts alone? Are we going to talk about that? Should we have a broader view? Can artistry truly be redemptive? That's artistry in the gospel. So we have a lot to talk about. But but with young people generally today, do you find when you encounter them, Michael, that that they feel empowered like you did in terms of pursuing uh, fine arts and music as a career or do they are they a little hesitant you know it, it it just depends on the background that they're coming from and and so sometimes we do have to often have that conversation is there really a future for me could i provide mm. for our family could yeah. i make a living doing this and those are all legitimate questions that really anybody should be asking about anything yeah. but I think you don't have to have a specific, hey, it's written in the sky in order for me to go in this direction. 
Um, yeah, we'll talk about uh, some of the things we're doing here at BJU with the Crescendo to Career program yeah. that answers some of those questions. Yeah, and and uh, we're going to get a new uh, ad running during the breaks next week that's going to that's going to use this language of empowering redemptive artistry. I love that. Uh, I've seen that happen in our son's life. He's now 28 in, in the gaming industry out there in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. And maybe that's what the Lord is calling your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter to. Uh, I just have one question for you. Do you want to thwart what God might be calling your kids to? Bad idea. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary, as well as Bob Jones University itself. Today, carrying on a conversation that we've, uh, I love this conversation about Christians and arts, the fine arts, artistry as a, as a career opportunity, whether we're talking about film, we're talking about theater, we're talking about opera, we're talking about conducting an orchestra, whatever the case may be. And oftentimes we sit there and go, oh, I don't know, fine arts and Christians, I don't know about that. Uh, well, hopefully you caught the last two times we talked about it because there's definitely an incredible opportunity there for us. Uh, and bearing witness and, and part of being image bearers of the Lord himself. And so we're going to uh, unpack that today with uh, Dr. Michael Moore, who's with us from the uh, Division of Music down at BJU. And, and I wanted to mention this real quick. A lot of you are familiar with Alex McFarlane. He's a great apologist, great biblical worldview uh, content creator, radio guy, books, speaking tour. He's been around for several decades now. I've known Alex for a while. He texted me this morning for all my friends here in the Raleigh area. Alex is actually going to be in town. He's going to be at Crabtree Valley Mall tonight. He's got a brand new book. Well, it's kind of a follow-up to a book they did before, which is super helpful. A hundred Bible questions and answers for families. And that's if you bother to ask. Don't assume your kids are right down the road with you on everything. Oftentimes they're afraid to express doubts or, or have questions. Sometimes that doesn't go so well. So this is a really handy book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Family. So Alex is going to be there tonight, Crabtree Valley Mall, from 7 to 8.30. Uh, there's a great Christian bookstore there, really cool place. It's called Mon Christian Books in Crabtree Valley. So Alex will be there from 7 to 8.30 tonight. If you're in the Raleigh area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Crabtree Valley Mall, go see Alex. He'll be there in person. 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Family. It'd be cool to meet him anyway. He's a great guy. Uh, but that's a great book, and so a neat opportunity to go see him tonight. 7 to 8.30, Crabtree Valley Mall at Mon Christian Books. Trust me, it's the only Christian bookstore in the mall. So you're not going to have a hard time finding it. Talking to Michael Moore uh, from the Division of Music. And, and I'll just I'll start off with that one question, Michael, and, and our talking points today. Uh, looking at artistry and then tying that to being an image bearer, the, the Imago Dei, the image of God. How do we kind of put those things together? Because I think it's an important way to start to build the foundation that when we talk about the arts, uh, that we're actually, we're not in, in mankind's territory. I think we're more in God's territory. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we, we like to talk about the concept of redemptive artistry here, um, music at BJU, but I think it's good to just start with the concept of artistry. Um, and very broadly conceived, this is probably more of a description than a definition, but the way I like to think about art, artistry is just what results when we exercise our creative abilities mm -hmm. to make stuff that <laughs> has function and and that pleases the senses. Um, and and so we make stuff because we're creators, we're sub-creators yeah. uh, at CSOs. So so we we make stuff because we have a maker. Um, 
and we derive pleasure and benefit from those things when it's done well. And I think that's one way to think about artistry. Um, so it is definitely tied to who we are as image bearers. Now, I know that there not everybody makes the same kind of stuff or the same right. stuff at the same level, right? So there are some people that are like, well, like you said, I'm not very artistically inclined. What is what does this really have to do with me? But I think the interesting thing is, I mean, we all understand artistry from a conceptual standpoint, and it's not just the fine arts. We can think of a beautifully executed play on yeah. the on the field or or um, you know, an elegant solution to a difficult problem. I think there are aspects of artistry there as well. So it's not just something that's confined to fine arts. And then we also see artistry in folk art, hmm. which is much broader. And I think that's where we can it, it can be a corrective to an elitism hmm. uh, that that can be dangerous for Christians to kind of associate only the finest of art with um you know the best um and there is a there's a reason we refine and why we have a school of fine arts yeah. and communication at bju um and we're certainly committed to that but there's also this broader shared common grace of of artistry that that we share just because we're all created in god's yeah. image so, so there, so, yeah. I mean, I would be comfortable going out on a limb saying that because you're made in the image of God, 8 billion people on the planet right now, that every single one of us, because we bear the mark, the Imago Dei, we're made in God's image, that we're all creators in one way or another. And that there are things that uh, you do that are creative. Now, sometimes, I mean, uh, it might be how you decorate the table for Thanksgiving, I mean, for me, this will sound weird. There's artistry in folding uh, laundry, which That's is why not weird I, at all. Which is why I have to refold my laundry all the time because my, <laughs> my my wife doesn't care about it, and for some reason, and she's plenty busy. She's got bigger fish to fry than my t-shirts. But but for me, some but there's something in there about the order of it, how it looks. That's like I I like to cut the grass because I like the lines. I think there's artistry and work and all of that stuff. So, so I think we're all should really think of ourselves and, and tell me if I'm just a whack job here, Michael, as, as artists to a certain degree in a certain way. Yeah. There, there's, there's a sense, there's an awareness of artistry that, that is built in because again, we're made in, in the image of God. I think that uh, we often associate the idea of artistry with making art, but mm. we also, there's an appreciation side of things and that's where I think those who are not necessarily artistically inclined in terms of um, their vocation or giftings still have a responsibility uh, to be aware of and notice and think on these things, as Paul tells us yeah. in, in Philippians 4. But if we look actually at Genesis 1, here's the really cool thing. We all know that God created the world in six days and then he rested on the seventh day. But also at, at the end of every day or at some point in every day when he was finished with his work, he stopped and he noticed mm -hmm. and he evaluated and he appreciated and he said, this is good. And I think that pattern of stopping and noticing, reflecting, evaluating, appreciating artistry is something that that we 
would do well to yeah. weave into our disciplines and our daily lives as well. So uh, whether or not we 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 make a living doing art or uh, or not, um, it's part of who we are yeah. as, as image bearers. So just being aware of the artistry around mm -hmm. us, I think, is a good place to start. Um, when we talk about understanding what redemptive artistry is. Yeah, I love that because it, it, again, I was trying to fold everybody in and what I made a lame attempt at, you completed. So, so that's the, that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not much of a musician. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but we should still try to appreciate music because what's behind the musician and the music to a certain degree, and we, we'll talk about what's good artistry, what's good art. Uh, is is the Lord Himself, and so you, anytime you you see this kind of creative thing going on anywhere, that's that. Hey, and and that's so well said from Genesis right there in the creation account. God stops, He beholds, He appreciates, and you know it because He said <laughs> it is good. And I think we can do that. Like I think that a trip. My daughter lives in New York City. I'm going to go up and see her a week from Saturday. If we have time, we love to go to the Met, the Metropolitan oh, yeah. Museum of the Art. And to me, yeah. that even though there's not a whole lot of quote-unquote Christian things in the Met, I can walk through there as a Christian and give glory to God as I walk through and experience that. And I think that's something a lot of us probably miss out on. We're talking to Dr. Michael Moore about artistry, the image of God, and the redemption and the gospel. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. This is kind of funny. Uh, I just, I'll get right back. To, Michael, I'll get right back to you in a second. Uh, I just got a text. This is funny. From Alex McFarland. So, you know, I said that Alex is a great apologist, uh, great communicator, worldview. He's been doing this for decades, and, and God's used him in so many different ways. I said he's going to be there tonight. The fact is he's there right now. Like, he just sent me three pictures of him sitting at his table at the Mon uh, Christian Bookstore and at the Crabtree Valley Mall. Uh, like, and, and he's doing his radio show from there. <laughs> like when I do my radio show on the road, I've done it down at BJU and at the seminary. And there's Alex literally sitting there in the mall right now. He's at the bookstore. So if you want to go meet Alex McFarland, check out his new book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. Uh, there he is holding a Bible with a big smile, uh, sitting at the bookstore, having a cup of coffee while he does his radio show, which is kind of exactly what it looks like here in the studio right now. I've got my cup of coffee and talking to Dr. Michael Moore from uh, Bob Jones University. So if you want to go say hi to Alex, he's there now, but he'll be there officially for his book signing tonight from 7 to 830 Crabtree Valley Mall here in uh, Raleigh. Uh, and uh, Mon Christian Bookstore, which is a really cool place. They do Bible studies there, too, which is really cool in the middle of a mall. I love that. Take the gospel into the dark places and uh, and go shine the light of Christ. That's so cool. So that was that was just funny. Just texted me. So, uh, again, Michael, thank you so much for your time today and for uh, helping us get down this road and talking about artistry. I mentioned earlier, as part of the of the program there and the philosophy baked into the DNA at Bob Jones University, especially in the fine arts arena, is this phrase empowering redemptive artistry. There's artistry and then there's redemptive artistry. Uh, not all artistry is redemptive. So how do we, I guess we can, let's, let's kind of unpack that. What, what is redemptive artistry in the first place? And then how do we use that to kind of engage all the different types of artistry around us in the world, literally 24 seven? Sure. Yeah. So, so artistry, uh, 
is because it's tied to our image bearing there's this concept of stewardship that that comes into play and um we don't you know like anything else artistry can be employed in the service of virtually any cause yeah and we don't have to look hard and, and long to find it um in the world around us being used for all sorts of purposes that um, draw us to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life in a, in a word worldliness. Oh yeah. Um, so we're inundated with this. So, so we have to be able to at some level distinguish between helpful artistry and unhelpful artistry. Um, but I think defining redemptive artistry just in a negative sense is, is, uh, is not enough. I mean, we can say, well, that's not redemptive because, you know, it's clearly drawing me to the lust of the flesh. Right. Or that's prideful. Um, but if if we just take a reactive stance, um, then that posture doesn't really empower us to live into who we are as image bearers, right? right? So instead, I think it's more helpful to see redemptive artistry through the lens of Romans chapter 12, mm. verses one and two where there's an active submission there's a there is a a presentation of who we are all that we are and all that we have all that we've been entrusted with um and say lord all it's it's yours i'm yielding myself to you so so our artistry our creative abilities um it's a yielding redemptive artistry is a yielding of all that we are for it as an act of service uh, and worship and then it's a wielding i, I like those mm. those two words yielding and wielding because yeah, yeah. we we wield these um not for our own glory but for the glory of god and the good of others so there's definitely a, a, a negative way to define redemptive artistry redemptive artistry is not these things that draw us to towards our, our worldly lusts and pride but in a more positive posture it is something that is leaning into our stewardship and our active worship saying an active submission and as we participate in that act of of submission we're participating in god's redemptive plan mm -hmm. to make us more like his son romans yeah. 12 verse 2 we're not conformed to the world but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind second corinthians 3 18 we were transformed into the likeness of his image of christ's image so um it's uh it's that's god's redemptive work in our life so it's a it's a it's an active submission yeah um is, with our artistry it gives it purpose is redemptive artistry something that as a mature christian you know it when you see it hear it experience it or is it sometimes a little harder to discern well i i think that or and give me some examples I'd, I'd love to like from Michael Moore's experience, some examples yeah. of redemptive artistry. So um, because there's a idea of purpose and motive involved here, it's always going to be, um, it's never going to be clear that, oh, I knew exactly what this person's motive was uh, when they created this yeah. piece of music yeah. or, or this art. But I can notice, I can stop and notice beauty and artistry and understand that that came from god-given gifts so i can even appreciate uh something as from ultimately the hand of god through a composer who doesn't acknowledge that right and say it and it could have a redemptive effect in my life in terms of the fact that i'm giving god glory for that mm -hmm. our, our re 
the artistry itself is not salvific. I want to be clear yeah, about that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's not salvific. It's not redemptive in that sense, but it is an evidence of our salvation and it opens our eyes to be able to see the beauty of, of the Lord. So it's redemptive in the sense that redemptive artistry flows out of and is animated by our submission to God's redemptive design for our lives. So should we uh, head for the hills anytime we encounter any type of artistry, whether it's music, uh, arts, fine arts, plays, you go to the art museum, you watch a movie. Uh, if, it, if it's not obviously redemptive, should we run for the hills or should we think a little deeper? We, I was alluding to that when we were talking on the yeah. break and I was talking about, yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my bump music is not Christian artists, but I, I know everybody's playing with God's stuff. This is how I yeah. generally talk in my classes. I'm like, listen, God created all the Lego in the box and everything we have from this iPhone to this MacBook to your camera, to my camera, we're all playing with God's stuff. Nothing in this room was made out of anything that God didn't make first. So we're playing with his stuff. And, and so I can listen to a song. Even I'm like the artist uh, is either doesn't give a rip about God or might even be anti-Christian. But I know where the stuff came from. And every once sure. in a while, they'll hit on the truth because they're made in his image and they might not even be aware of it. But I am. But am mm -hmm. I playing with fire there, Michael, or am I just being a mature Christian? Well, that was kind I of a loaded question. We, we have to realize that we live in a broken world. Yeah, yes, God certainly. gave us the box of Legos. But... But we also live in a broken world and our hearts are deceitful mm -hmm. as well. And so I, I think that we've got to come at this with a with some kind of a, a lens. And um, actually, for millennia, uh, philosophers have have considered this question of beauty and what's what's truly good and true and beautiful. And those those three transcendentals. Um, students of aesthetics, I've talked about these for, for centuries, right? Yeah. And and actually, I think when those three uh, are working together in harmony, we've achieved what I like to call aesthetic integrity, mm. where you've got, you've got something that is true, yep. something that is good, and something that is beautiful. And, and if one of those is off, Mm -hmm. We can't really say it's beautiful. There are aspects of it. And we're always as flawed human beings who are trying to submit ourselves in a Romans 12, 1 and 2. As if, if that's if that's we're still flawed and we're not going to get it right every time. Right. But um, so that idea of aesthetic integrity, I think, helps us sort through things. We can identify elements of goodness, truth and beauty in music that is part of a secular culture. Right. Right. Are we ever going to achieve that perfect harmony, this side of glory? Probably not. Um, but yeah, you, and we you can should pack that a little bit. Yeah. Let me jump in there because if, if you're going to build a diet, you can occasionally have a scoop of ice cream. You can occasionally slip <laughs> a Twinkie in there. You can occasionally have a Snickers bar because that, that's, that's, that's artistry. That's got maybe one thing. It's, it's, it's fun. It's not good because of the the content. It's not true because they're lying to you the whole time in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. But it, mm -hmm. but there might be some aspects of it, just musically speaking, that that's beautiful. And you go, okay, well, that's one out of three. Sometimes it's two out of three. Rarely it's three out of three. But if you're going to build a diet, you should probably have more three out of three than one out of three. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you can appreciate what's right about something without saying, okay, all of this, I, you know, I'm going to reorder my entire... Right. Uh, 
aesthetic diet around this. Um, Yeah. I'm going to redecorate the studio in Taylor (laughs) Swift stuff. Oh, good. You'd be like, yeah, Yeah. don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. So like when, when we, when we divorce beauty from truth, uh, then in goodness, then the, then the pursuit of beauty becomes an end in itself. Oh yeah. And we've, we've exchanged the truth of God yeah, yeah. for a lie and yep. we become idolatry. That's idolatry. And That's exactly what I was about. Hold that thought, Michael, or up against the break. I just love these conversations with our friends at Bob Jones University and BJU Seminary. We are in the deep end of the pool, not in the kiddie pool, which hopefully is why you're here. We'll be right back. I woke up this morning and I heard the news. Listen to the lyric just for a second. I know the pain of a heart. Let it play. I don't have answers. Just talking about heartbreak, bad news. And and he gets to the point where he's like, uh, this isn't easy, this isn't clear. And some of you probably can relate to this like today. Maybe it's something that happened this week, last week, something going on with your kids, uh, your spouse, a friend, a parent, and 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 nothing's it's all just kind of falling apart. And this is Ben Rector, who's the singer there. And the artist's funny that Michael and I were just talking about that. And then he gets to this point. I know the pain of a heartbreak. This isn't easy. This isn't clear. And you don't need Jesus till you're here. Okay. That's, that's like you don't have any atheists in a foxhole, right? And if that's whatever it takes. And to me, I listen to that song, Michael, and it's funny that that just came up. And uh, I'm like, Ben Rector, I don't know a whole lot about him. I, I studied, uh, I, I went and looked him up a little bit when I ran across that song. And there's a little bit of a faith journey here and there. It shows up in a couple other songs here and there. Not not steeped. It's not Christian music. But I'm curious that, that, that he's dealing with something that a lot of people deal with. And all of a sudden you're you're looking for God or you're looking for Jesus because things aren't going your way. And that's my my mind and my walk with the Lord. That that just interests me because I I'm, this is another guy that's made in the image of God that has all kinds of incredible talent. And he gets to that point where he's just contemplating, what does this all mean? And I think that in the, in that artistic artistry world, there's there's all kinds of bridges to the gospel. If I ever met him, that's my in. Absolutely. Hey, bro, can I talk to you about this song? I actually play your song on my Christian radio show. And he'd probably be a little surprised by that. And there, boom, there's, there's artistry becomes redemptive, which is why you guys talk about that empowering redemptive artistry. That That's cool to me. That's exciting to me. And I think more of us should probably be thinking like that. I'm, I'm not trying to sound spiritually an elitist, but I think artistry is that big of a deal. Well, yeah, it is. You know, our vocations uh, open up opportunities that are unique based on how God has gifted us. Yeah. And so we're called to go into all the world and make disciples, right? And in my world, it's going to be different from your world, mm-hmm. Steve. And and it's whatever God's put in our hands. Um, you know, as we, as we, um, uh, oh, live in obedience to Genesis 1, 27, 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, exercise dominion. Mm. Um, the great commission is, is flows right out of that. Yeah, right. And yeah. we fulfill the great commission within that context of our vocation. Um, so Artistry is a huge bridge uh, into a dark world. Yeah. Um, so this idea of redemptive artistry and how to qualify that and, and the extent to which our artistry reflects certain things, um, this idea of aesthetic integrity we were discussing. And whenever you divorce one element from another, 
you fall short of that yeah. that integrated idea of beauty. So we talked about divorcing um, goodness and truth from beauty and just pursuing beauty as an aesthetic experience in and of itself. We've become idolaters. Right. Um, we and then and then yeah, the Ben Rector song. Um, I think there there's an earthiness and there's a there's a there's a straightforwardness to his approach there that is captivating yeah. and and it's there i like to talk about folk music and the mm -hmm. myth of authenticity yes because they're just it seems so real and it it's it you know authenticity is like the summum bonum of our our age now right you got to be authentic and just tell it like it is yeah. right yep and and often that passes for truth but if that quote-unquote authenticity is and those stories are told without reference to the hope of the gospel mm -hmm. and its redemptive power in being able to meet us where we are and this is not a critique of the song that you played in particular but yeah if if, if that's not part of the story then that authenticity will lead us to despair that so-called authenticity and then uh in terms of just goodness like if we have goodness if it just feels good but yeah. you know it's shoddy work or we're not really concerned with truth this song just makes me feel good yeah um it, that that's kind of a sugar-coated naive sentimentality that's ultimately mm -hmm. gonna leave us empty i don't you know that there's a difference between pretty <laughs> and beautiful yes you know yep I'm and with you. And Satan can use some beautiful things that are divorced from absolutely truth yep. and goodness. Yeah, and, so, and and they're powerful. I think we see that a lot, especially with uh, younger people and younger Christians, yeah. where there's yeah. there is a pull there. It's powerful. These powerful stuff because we're messing around with God's stuff here. It's powerful, but again, it it, it they could go. Well, that's beautiful. Then you have to ask the follow up questions which you brought up today, Michael, which are so helpful. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. There's some, there's some beauty there, but is it good? Uh, is it true? And the beauty, Satan will use that to literally pull you away from the good and the true. All right, yeah. let me, here, let me do this since you talked about uh, folk art and folk culture. Can I play a little clip from a song that's on my phone? Please. You'll be able to hear it. For this. sure. So this okay. is, <laughs> to leave something behind, this guy named Sean Rowe. Okay, you probably, I'm sure nobody's ever heard of him. Let me just see if I can play this right. I can check it out. All right, folksy, right? Now just see if you can make anything of this. I cannot see, but I know you will. But you can't lie to me with all these books that you sell. I'm not trying to follow you to the end of Listen to this. I'm just trying to leave something behind. Okay. I'm that's what caught me the first time I heard that song. This guy lamenting his way through the song. And and what's his what's his goal? I'm just trying to leave something behind. And I'm oh, like, I, mm, I can work with that. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's yeah. why I teach. I'm trying right. to leave something behind. Sure. But that sure. folksy stuff is so authentic and raw. Yeah. I love that. It's it, honest. It, and 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 that's why we, we said earlier artistry does encompass not just the fine art but also the folk art and yeah. that is a completely 
legitimate and wonderful expression uh, uh means for expressing our faith mm -hmm. and uh so you know back to the question of what instruments do we use in our worship <laughs> right, gathered worship right, right. that 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 speaks to that question you know mm. um so you know we often hear the phrase beauty is in the eye of the beholder right right and i i agree with that statement to a certain extent as long as we're capitalizing the word beholder the, yeah. beauty is in yes. the eye of the the, the beholder right. capital b yeah. and the extent to which we can align our vision with his mm. when he says this is good um you know that that's a measure of of that, that's something that we can use yeah. to interrogate our entertainment choices our um the music that we choose the art that we choose to consume the film um so the yeah the extent to which we can align our vision yeah. with his we can begin to identify what's truly beautiful and align our appreciation of artistry mm -hmm. if we're not artistically inclined in a vocational sense yeah yeah and our use of artistry toward that end um and that's when we know we're, we're getting at redemptive yeah. artistry yeah. so at bju we're really focused in in the division of music where i work on preparing students to be effective in ministry and marketplace in, in this area where we're a community of students and and faculty and students who are committed to pursuing and sharing the beauty of god through musical excellence and redemptive artistry um and so there's a lot of a lot of different ways that that can uh be manifested of course in terms of performance um mm -hmm realms and we have degrees in that area but also teaching artists i mean teaching is an art in itself um and and even other vocations that might not spring to mind initially but yeah things like um recording engineers mm -hmm. with our digital audio production certificate um yeah, instrument repair um nonprofit executive directors and um and symphony musicians i mean we have we have graduates in, in, in all of these areas and a lot of them go to graduate schools yeah. and, and, and conservatories and all of these things are a platform for missions yeah, around right. the world or, or here at home. And, um, one of our, 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 one of our newer programs is a, is a bachelor of science in music, which is a liberal arts degree gives a lot of flexibility for double majoring. Yeah, and cool. a lot of students are majoring in music and business or, or music and some other field, mm -hmm. uh, because they feel, uh, they have those gifts and they want to steward them and continue yeah. to steward them, but they have interests broader than, than performance yeah. or teaching. And I think that's really important to remember. And I and I talk to parents about this and my students. I'm like, uh, look back three, four years of age and, and come forward and look at some things there that you're naturally drawn to or naturally good at. God's word says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I think that implies some specificity that we're specifically made. And there's predispositions there. And now you become a steward of that. And that's not I owe, I owe, so off to work I go kind of stewardship. That's the stewardship of that kind of gifting and that talent and, and those abilities and those interests and those loves of yours that if they're, like Michael said, good, true, and beautiful, man, if you sow into that, your your blessings are going to be uh, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. And that's, that's why I love uh, this conversation. Michael, thank you so much again. It's just a great 
<laughs> deep into the pool conversation. I appreciate you. I appreciate your leadership today. Thank you for what you do there at Bob Jones University. And uh, I want to talk about opera sometime too. All right, we'll come back. Because I'll go out on a limb with that one because we might be the only two people in the conversation that want to talk about (laughs) opera, but that's fine. Uh, Every once in a while, I'll take advantage of the fact that it's my show. Stay right there, Michael. I want to pray for you. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.